Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. The men in prison feel like they have no influence and they are an absent father in the most extreme. But one of the things that we work with is the fact you can still have influence from inside the walls. Everything from phone calls to a number of issues like you can have one of your children read a book that they like, you can read it, the two of you can have a discussion over the phone. Our guest today on Life Support, once again, are proponents of the father in the home, a topic that seems to be under a great deal of opposition in today's society and today's culture. Chuck Acock and Tim Olson from the organization Dads First are with Pastor Paul on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad you're with us on Life Support. This is a unique podcast. What we do is we talk about uh, difficult things of life, challenges, um, ways that we can interact with each other in a better way. And it's all for the glory of Jesus Christ, who we believe is the answer to all of our issues, but we need to know how to approach him and and how to approach each other. My guest today, Chuck Acock, who is the founder of Dads First, and Tim Olson, who is a business life coach. They're both uh, partners in this venture um, about dads and reconciliation and all of these really interesting topics. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Our privilege. Um, I'll start with you this time, Tim. Um, our culture is becoming anti-everything, anti-family, anti-male. Um, men hardly feel like they have a voice and are even afraid to step forward and assert themselves. Um, two parts of this. What ramifications is that having on our culture? And number two, how does a guy even interact with his family in this kind of a culture? It is something that's uh, getting worse and worse. Uh, The one group of fathers who are present and involved in their families is actually a pretty small group. I would would guesstimate that it's probably less than 20% of all fathers who are at home and are really involved with their kids. And Fathers who are um, physically at home, but they are not involved in their kids. And I think this is the largest group of them all. Now, we can't put numbers to it, but it's the largest group. And that's, it's going to continue to get larger and larger. They're the ones who are uh, selfishly involved in uh, addictions such as TV or sports. or uh, No, don't talk about those addictions because those are... Then you're starting to get into my area. Now I feel guilty. So, like, you know, try to stay with the big sins. Yeah, don't get personal. That's right. Don't get personal here. Drugs and alcohol. Okay, we'll go there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they're doing all these things. Uh, We are doing all these things. And there's another name to that group. It's called passive. And when I explain to people uh, what passive fathering is all about, most of them say, ah, yes, I know that one. That's my father. That's that I believe is the largest group of them all. But then the next group is people, is fathers rather, who are uh, physically absent from the family. They may have been divorced, kicked out, uh, picked up and left, 
maybe they died, whatever it is, they are physically gone, and but they are still involved with their children. And that's a goal for those guys is to still be involved. And uh, we work with a lot on that standpoint through uh, Dad's First and Halfway Houses and so on. And uh, that group is the smaller those who have physically left the family and are not involved with their kids at all. And that group is going to continue to get larger and larger as well. And uh, the ones who are involved, either either of those two groups, will continue to get smaller. And uh, I don't think there's anything we can really do uh, uh, to change that trend, because I believe it's moving towards eventually even the second coming. Um, there are so many things that are that are a part of that that we we know from world trends that will continue to happen. However, what keeps coming to my mind uh, to explain why we do what we do is that uh, the story, uh, the old story about the starfish where there are thousands of them washed up on the beach and a fellow's coming along and he picks up one and throws it in back in the ocean, picks up another, throws it in. Finally, somebody observes them and says, what are you doing? It'll never make a difference. There are too many of them. He picks up another one, throws it back in and says, it matters to that one. And so we can continue to make it matter to individual men that we we can influence in the various ways that that we do influence people. Uh, but I, I do believe it, it uh, is a trend that will continue to get worse. And we see that with uh, families who are encouraged to uh, be divided up. They, the government has made it possible for them to make more money. They have kids together. Um, the, the divorce courts are gradually changing, making some changes uh, where the father has some say in the outcome instead of uh, not having any child rights or not being involved and having to give up his money and everything, some of those have, have made some uh, significant changes for the better. Uh, uh, but overall, uh, this is really a difficult challenge and, and uh, we can't do it on our, own, our, on our own, excuse me. Our only hope really is the Lord. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting that as you talk, I, I think about the church, too. The church is divided up. We've got men's ministry, women's ministry, student ministry. Everybody comes to church, but then everybody divides up and goes uh, separate ways. And I know, Chuck, you're uh, heavily involved with prisons, and you deal with um, you deal with people who are struggling with a lot of different issues. Um what are the ramifications you see of what Tim just talked about of fathers who are either passive or have left? Um, what's happening to these people? Well, it's interesting that the men in prison feel like they have no influence and they are an absent father in the most extreme. But one of the things that we work with is the fact you can still have influence from inside the walls. Everything from phone calls to a number of issues like you can have one of your children read a book that they like. You can read it. The two of you can have a discussion over the phone. Um, there are several prisons now that are doing videotapes that you can video the, the message to your kids or you can video and the two of you can read back and forth. So there is an exchange. But so many of the kids 
sense that loss, that abandonment. So if they have the confidence that dad is aware of me and my need and my abandonment, and he's willing to make an extra effort, that is very affirming to that child. Now, we also deal with the people in halfway houses, the people that uh, are struggling with addiction. Uh, Like tonight, we begin a a whole new series of 10 weeks with um, Adult Teen Challenge. And the people there have issues. They're not in prison, but they're isolated and they're separated from their children. So the goal is to equip them, to help them to identify the impact that they can have on their children. And, And so many men have no clue what they contribute or they don't contribute. And so we know we also do a first-time dad with the line of hospital system. So I've had to learn more about pregnancies and deliveries than I ever thought I wanted to. We've done that now 13, 14 years. And um, the University of Rochester, Rochester, New York, is very confident in their research that if a child doesn't learn trust in the first six months of life, they're going to struggle with it their life until there's an interruption by a counselor or a definition of it primarily comes from the father. And that's a major piece in the whole process because after 19 years out at Lionel Lakes Prison, number one issue every year hasn't changed, trust. So that trust piece goes right hand in hand back to scripture in terms of my trust in a heavenly father that promises to provide. So those direct lines can be modeled by a father in terms of his own fathering his children and him being fathered by his heavenly father. Uh, the late, great John Turnipseed, our friend who passed away recently, he was a guest on this program not long after the jo- George Floyd incident. And, uh, of course, John was heavily involved with uh, inner city work uh, with Urban Ventures. And I asked him, you know, you know, what are the societal problems that are leading to all of this? And he, he thought for a very quick second and said, fathers or lack thereof. And uh, he said, it's not politics, it's not, it's not, it's fathers. Um, Tim, how do you um, help men understand their role in their family? Do you use scripture? How do you get at that with them? Well, uh, first of all, I should mention too, that I was a school teacher and a school principal myself. And and, uh, I recognize the same thing in the school place, that uh, it's about the father principles about uh, the fact that the fathers aren't coming in for for uh, parent-teacher conferences. They don't show up for many events and so on. And uh, I'll say that this is having a major impact on the, the child's learning. And they will agree with me. And they say, absolutely, it is. And But then I'll ask, so why isn't more being done to bring the fathers in, to, to have them show up? And uh, they they don't do anything. They just, they acknowledge that's a problem, but then they don't do a thing about it. They don't ask them to come in. They don't uh, have special things that would invite them in and uh, they pay the consequences as a result. I I don't know why there's such a barrier. Well, I guess I do ultimately that this is a, this is a kingdom warfare thing that's going on. I believe that very strongly. And, uh, uh, but as far as working with them, um, again, one of the things uh, is to is to go below the surface. And that question that I've asked, I mentioned earlier, uh, what was your relationship like with your father when you were growing up, is, is really one that immediately goes to the heart of the issue. 
And uh, they start explaining what that relationship was like. And the light bulbs come on for themselves. They can see what the problem was. And we know that uh, the father has uh, four areas in particular that daughters during that those 18 years of de development before they fly away from the nest. And um, those are uh, maturity, uh, self-esteem, and uh, the third one is identity, which is really so important. And, and we touched on that before. We're saying that identity is essentially knowing who you are and whose you are. And this is the kids, the the thing that the father needs to let them know. They can't they can't find that uh, without him saying, "I love you," and including them in with the family. And uh, we know too that if kids don't find out their identity and know that they are loved and accepted by their fathers, they will continue to look for it in in essentially five ways. For uh, they all come down to to essentially one. And, and that way that they look for it is, um, or, or the thing they're looking for, rather, is acceptance. And they look for it in drugs. Uh, they look for it in uh, sexual ways. They look for it in, um, in uh, achievement. And uh, they look for it, uh, there's one other way, Chuck, do you recall? Um, the affirmation. The affirming, yeah, the, the affirming of, of my worth and value because I attach such significance to your pronouncement of that. That carries weight above every everything else. Give them the answers. They're inappropriate ways. Uh, but that's what they're looking for. And, they're look, and, and it has to come from dad or from a father image. In other words, if dad absolutely is not around, we, we try to help people find ways to bring a father image. It could be a grandfather, a good uncle, um, perhaps an older brother, or it could be coaches and pastors and people like that who are uh, respected and trusted and uh, safe. And uh, because they need that male image in some form, if it's not actual dad. Uh, so uh, often, uh, men will turn us off because we talk about reconciling with their father. Well, my father's gone. I have no idea where he is or he has died. And we say, sorry, <laughs> that's no excuse. You still need to deal with this. And if you can find a, a safe male image, it's one way of doing it. Pastor Paul is joined today by Chuck Acock and Tim Olson from the organization Dads First, proponents of putting dads back in the home a controversial topic in today's society. If you'd like to see the video version of today's program, go to youtube.com slash life support channel. And now back to Pastor Paul. And, and it has to come from dad or from a father image. In other words, if dad absolutely is not around, we, we try to help people find ways to bring a father image. It could be a grandfather, a good uncle, um, perhaps an older brother, or it could be coaches and pastors and people like that who are uh, respected and trusted and uh, safe. And uh, because they need that male image in some form, if it's not actual dad. Uh, so uh, often 
uh, men will turn us off because we talk about reconciling with their father. Well, my father's gone. I have no idea where he is or he has died. And we say, sorry, <laughs> that's no excuse. You still need to deal with this. And if you can find a, a safe male image, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, these are problems that um, affect everybody around uh, these people, too. And, and Chuck, you were talking to me about transference earlier. Can you explain what that is and how that affects others? Well, it's the transference of my past onto somebody who reminds me of the pain or the anger or the hurt from the past. And it doesn't have to be anybody that other than their behavior, their look, uh, any number of those things can can boil or surface that pretty quickly. And that's everything from having a disagreement with somebody because they remind you of my dad or somebody in my family, all the way down to like with your son who lost his life, that transference very well may have come from his past and something your son did or how he looked. And uh, we've got story after story who have been, um, uh, one time out at Lionel Lakes, a, a guy was in a bathroom with um, the, um, the whole thing with prison fellowship, four sinks in a bathroom. He was in a far sink brushing his teeth. He looked up at the guy walking by in the hall. They got into a big rumble. They both wound up in the hole in solitary confinement. Well, what happened? The guy in the hall said, when he looked at me, he dissed me. Mm. So that look, he was so primed in his life that anything's going to set him off. So that transference can be that extreme or somebody who's going to use uh, physical abuse or just somebody that you can't figure out why you can't get along with. The transference is genuine and it's real from the past. And how do you break that cycle? Well, we've, we've got to identify how we got to that point. And so many times the father has set us up both in, in that whole regard because of our insecurity, he hasn't dealt with it. Our, our insecurity comes from the fact that he hasn't accepted us. How many, um, when we work with first-time dads, we've had guys put basketballs in the bassinet of a 10-week-old kid already saying, here's what I have in mind for you. Yeah. And uh, scripture is very clear in, uh, you know, Proverbs 22, 6, when it says train up a child. But we look at that in terms of help them to find where their bent is and then help them get there. So if that isn't what the, the process is and the dad wants to deviate, that's a personal affront. So that may go with them for life. And whether they're female or male, they're going to struggle with the lack of attachment in that area. And the transference becomes very real. Hmm. That's really interesting. Tim, do you see that as well, acted, acted out in the people you work with? Absolutely. It's very prevalent. It's one of the one of the causes of the almost all issues at work, that uh, we are acting out things that we learned and observed from our fathers. And uh, as an example, I had a, an employee who was very passive aggressive in the work setting. Uh, we would have meetings, staff meetings, and uh, she would often be kind of, uh, you know, and giving verbal uh, visual signals that she was not happy or satisfied. And uh, it made everybody feel like they were walking on eggshells around her because she wouldn't tell us exactly what was going around. So uh, after I observed this a, a couple of times, I uh, after the meeting, I didn't say this in front of the others. I just asked her if to meet with me to come in and we could we could talk. And so she came in and we talked and I, what I said was, here's what I'm observing in your behavior. And I described it to her and, 
And so again, we we see behaviors that are going on and we ignore them. We try to we try to work our way around them instead of addressing them. So it's very important, I believe, for a supervisor to be able to sit down and say, this is what I'm observing, what's going on? And uh, I said, um, where did where have you do you think you've learned this? And she said right away, oh, my mom was like this, exactly like this. And her mom was like this too. So this is a trend coming down on the mother's side. And uh, uh, so I described, well, first of all, I need to tell you, this has to stop. You, I will not allow this to continue anymore. But you need to know how to deal with it. And she said, I, I have no idea. Can you help me? And I said, well, something that would work very easily would be to say, you know, I have something to say about this, but I don't know the words to use right now. Can we take a five-minute break? She said, oh, wow, that'd be great. Or you could even table it. Could we do this, take this up the next time? Because I need to do put my thoughts together and do some research. And these were all very helpful ideas. But it was something that was so obviously coming from her past. And it was a behavior, but often the behaviors are based on uh, times of being hurt, even. Like Chuck mentioned, uh, as a definition of transference itself, and uh, these things uh, uh, um, passed over for an advancement, and so they do things that will will hurt that person or, or just just inappropriate behavior, whatever it might be. And uh, I've got a long list of what those things could be, and uh, but we need to not just ignore them. We need to be able to deal with them and call uh, call them out to just say what the truth is in a way that's done privately and in a way that brings solutions and helps. And one of the comments that I use for employees is, is to start off saying, you know, we got some issues going here, but I want you to know I am for you. Yeah, that's I good. want you to be successful and we can work our way through this. Uh, too often, employee, employers just see it for what it is on the surface, and they may get rid of the person or give them give them um, uh, discipline that would be like their father. And often, employees are afraid to behave appropriately because they see the boss as their father or their mother, uh, or they see the uh, other employees as their siblings. And this can, can uh, uh, contribute to a lot of the issues that are going on in the work setting. Well, how about that? We are complicated um, beings. Um, okay, we have uh, two minutes. Real quick, Chuck, is there hope for men and their children right now? Without question. One of the things that I was sitting here thinking about is so many fathers have no idea what they contribute, how they contribute, or when they don't contribute, the fallout. And I think one of the things in terms of this whole thing of transference Several people, many people, don't even recognize how they're transferring. And like Tim says, when you call their attention to it, they are kind of aghast. They're kind of surprised. And they don't want to do that, but they don't know how to get out of it. So that's one of the big pieces is to unpack what it takes to walk out. Yeah. How about that, Tim? Is there hope? There's always hope. And that's what... Uh... Uh, again, they don't understand what's involved. So knowledge is a big part of this and explaining things, just as I described, um, brings brings solutions. Solutions bring the hope. 
And so they need to see that those are available and we need to be willing to look and research. If we're fathers or leaders, uh, our mothers, we need to be willing to look into this in such a way to find the help that's out there because it is there. Well, that's what you guys do. And Tim, how can we get a hold of your material? The best way would be through my website, timolsonauthor.com. All one word, and it's O-L-S-O-N, not E-N, timolsonauthor.com. Okay. And Chuck, how about you? And I can be found at dadsfirst.org, and there's a whole website and outlines of what we do and how we do it. Well, you guys have a, a tremendous task at hand. It's important. I appreciate you being here, and God bless you as you continue your work. It's really, really important stuff. Thank you. Our privilege. Yeah, it's good to have you. And um, Deuteronomy 31.8 tells us this. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. And so you may be in a situation right now where you're listening to this and you're saying, I don't have a good relationship with my father, or I, I don't think I can. Well, what these men are saying is that, yes, it's possible. And we hang our hopes on the power of God, the power of Christ in us. And the Bible is very clear that you don't have to be dismayed. You don't have to be discouraged because you are not alone. So just take heart in that today. I want to thank our our key partners for this program, Faith Radio. Uh, You can find out more at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out right here at Ridgewood Church, too, at MyRWC.org. Thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. The video version is available at youtube.com slash life support channel. Thanks for listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.